This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Celtic State of Night. I'm Paul John Dykes. My esteemed colleague is Colin Watt. And it's a Sunday, Colin. And I kind of thought we can't go two days without uh, the Axon Bulletin. So let's just do one. Let's go out there. A wee impromptu um, message to you this morning. Do you fancy it? And here we are. So I know the usual crowd that come in, um, our loyal band of followers, 
and realise that we, we cover the, the matches half an hour beforehand and we're on weekdays at 12.30. So it might take them by surprise. Uh, they might be up to other things on a Sunday. But I thought it was important to to get involved and talk about um, the Glasgow Celtic. But with absolutely no agenda, Colin. So we'll just run with it and people can get involved. Faithful, not loyal. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Glorious uh, Patrick. You know, Good connection. Today is all about, yeah, good use of language there. You've got to watch every word, every nuance. <laughs> uh, faithful through and through. No, you're absolutely right. Um, happy Sunday Celts. This is a wee bit different today because normally, Colin, and I know you do the same, you sit there and there are pages and pages and pages in notes. What are we going to talk about? What's your points? What's your views? We're going to do it a wee bit off the cuff today. We're going to get uh, the commenters coming into play. There is always something to talk about Celtic-related. And uh, Daniel Mack, a welcome introduction to a Sunday afternoon. Absolutely. As you know, Daniel, if Celtic were playing today, we would have been all over it. Uh, but because they're not, we thought, you know what, let's just get in about the old Celtic chat. What's to talk about, Colin? Uh, definitely, and it is important to mention that Celtic are playing today. Yes. The women's team have just kicked off um, away to Aberdeen, so if there is updates on that, we'll bring it to you whilst we're on air. But yeah, it's a relaxing Sunday afternoon chat. Uh, appreciate it being a bit later in the afternoon. Um, I'm sure quite a few others will as well. Uh, so yeah, any questions that you've ever had about us, about the channel, um, as long as they're fairly reasonable, then we will uh, bring them up. Just like this one here from um, one of our friends, Ryan McGinley. Has Colin ever got over me beating him on the quiz yet? That was on the Football Insomniac and uh, no, I've not, Ryan. So don't don't bring that up again. <laughs> what, wait a minute now. The quiz, was it a Celtic-related quiz, Colin, or was it no, more it was general a, knowledge? It was just a general knowledge. Just a free-for-all. Yeah. A lot of people have said that we should do a quiz on a Celtic state of mind. You know, it's, it's I don't know. I don't see myself as a kind of Chris Tarrant type, but you never know how these things develop. Uh, it's Jeremy um, Clarkson these days. You need to move with the times. I don't watch the telly. This is this is interesting. I don't watch TV. Um, it's interesting because obviously back in the day, I remember I remember it before Channel Four was even launched. Colin, um, you know, you did watch TV and you watched it in specific times, but our habits have changed. Paddy Lavery, welcome back to the show. You're watching on YouTube. What surprise this month? Good question, Paddy. Um, I had this idea that we would have like a whole host of prizes, and um, I went out looking for them. We ended up with like I think. 30 or something so it is a case of what is it going to be next and uh, the first month we did this it was the Verve um, Urban Hymns and that has yet to reach its destination but it's there, it's been announced we will get it to its destination in Belfast the second one is the Fratelli's Platinum Disc that we just announced last week, that's going to Tony Cassidy, good Celtic man Tony from Glasgow, I've invited him through to Dalkeith to check out the studio and pick up his prize so we'll have loads of photographs of that as well this month we're going to go for a prize a week actually, Um, we've got four jerseys kicking about the studio, one of them is uh, the old Shamrock style jersey but it's got an Axon badge in it, four concept jerseys, one a week get subscribing to uh, our YouTube channel, they are complete one-off concept kits one of them is modelled by Andy Tom, so check out the socials because we've had a a commission by um, Rabbit, who's a great artist, you'll find him on Twitter to do the artwork and he'll be doing our next one as well so that is going to be the prizes party but I can promise you that we have got framed signed items uh, framed signed jerseys 
We've got jerseys signed by Bertie Old. We've got jerseys signed by Danny McGrain. Bobby Lennox print, signed, framed. Uh, you know, people actually give us stuff, Colin. So yesterday we had a big event here at the studio because, as a lot of you will know, the studio houses other shows, other types of shows, and there was a big soul event. Now, I love the music. I'm not one of these aficionados, Colin. If you play me a soul song, I might not know who's singing it or the title of the song or the label that it's on or how much the seven-inch vinyl is worth. But all the guys that were in the studio yesterday certainly do. And one of the, the, the gentlemen came in, uh, John, so if you are watching because you're an Axon fan, he brought in two Celtic jerseys for the studio. Just brought mm-hmm. them in. There's a gift. Unbelievable. And one of them was signed by the Lions and Martin O'Neill. A fantastic gesture by John, so thanks very much. If you're ever visiting the studio, uh, ladies and gents who are tuning in, remember and bring us a wee gift because what we'll either do is present it on the wall or we'll end up giving it away to a fan. So it's always good, Colin. But that's why we're here. If you've got anything to talk about, anything you want to bring up, Celtic-related, Scottish football, uh, Axom, then throw us the questions and we'll go through as many of them as possible. Cole P, afternoon to you. You're watching on YouTube. And uh, a welcome introduction to a Sunday afternoon. I think I brought that up, but it's a nice positive message we like. A bit of positivity. Fuji's Toner, happy Sunday selfs. There's a lot of negativity flying about, Colin, so we're going to keep it positive today on mm-hmm. a Celtic state of mind. John Paul Connors, I see your name popping up all the time on the socials, mate. Great to see you guys on a Sunday. International breaks are pan. What's your thoughts on international football, Colin? Because I know that uh, we've got a great show running at the moment on the channel and it's the state of Scottish football and that covers the international game. See when we have these international breaks, what's your thought process? Because I know that uh, due to Axom and everything else and the Greenock Celtic Supporters Club, you're mm-hmm. obsessed with Celtic. Are you also a fan of international football? I hadn't been for a long time. Um, and then the sort of run that we went on getting to the Euros it brought it all back I think the country as a whole lost a lot of national pride in its football team Um, and it's understandable when I was growing up one of the first games I I remember Scotland playing we drew two each with the Faroe Islands and a school teacher scored against us twice so it's games like that when you're under Betty Vokes and guys get international caps and you're going what is this? it's very difficult to be proud of your country we had a run um, under Walter Smith and Alan McCoy, where we, we we nearly qualified the same when Alex McLeish came in. And then from that point on, when you're watching Craig Levine trying to manage a national side, it's understandable how people can fall out of love with it. Mm-hmm. For me, I think <laughs> you just want to see your, your country putting a bit of effort in and doing well. And when you get connected back to it, it's part of where you're from. So... Everybody says, oh, support your local team. That's different to supporting your country, in my opinion. I mean, you're brought up, your granddad, your uncle, your best friends, everybody that support a team, and you fall in love with that team. Mm -hmm. But for your country, it's being proud of where you come from. And for a long time, I don't think many people were proud of the Scottish national team. But this generation of talent we've got, if they're coached correctly, they could be up there with your... Um, with the likes of Dag Leash, with the likes of um, Archie Gamble, guys like that who, when you create went, new memories, exactly. When they went and qualified for major tournaments, you were proud to be Scottish for that summer. On went the blue national shirt of the country, and you backed them for the summer. Now it's just a case of it's an international break, and you can't wait to get back to seeing Celtic play Ross County on the Saturday. That's just the way it is now. It is. You know, the big thing there, I, I do agree 
in relation to the talent that we've got. But I actually think, Colin, we've always had the talent. I really do. I always think that Scottish football's had the talent. I just don't think Scottish football as a whole, and this takes in the national team as well, has been managed properly from the very top. And then there's been a succession of managers who should never have been anywhere near the job um, of Scottish national manager. And But in terms of the actual players, the players that we've got at our disposal, I do believe that we've had the talent. I just don't think we've managed them properly. Well, that's an interesting one because in the state of Scottish football on Friday, we took a look back at the team that lined up against Moldova back in 2005, which was the 2006 World Cup qualifiers. And it was Craig Gordon in goal, Davy Weir, Stephen Presley, Andy Webster, Graham Alexander, Dan Fletcher, Barry Ferguson, Paul Hartley, Jackie McNamara and Kenny Miller as your 11. Now, when you compare that to the 11 even through injuries, suspensions and COVID that lined up against um, Moldova last night, I think that's a step above. Yeah, and the thing with me, Colin, and I've said it time and time again, I just think that when it comes to playing it safe, that that's the issue I've got to have with a lot. Of, I think Gordon Strachan fell into that bracket. He played it safe. He had a group of players that he, they were his go-to players and there were others in the wings who would have done a fantastic job, but it was too risky in his opinion. And I think that uh, Stevie Clark is too um, risk-averse also to, to bring in a lot of these guys when they're ready to play. That's interesting because when you think back to February of last year when Neil Lennon left the club, and the amount of fans that thought mm. Stevie Clark was a safe option for the job, you just wonder if he was to have got the job, where would what kind of, kind of position would we be in right now? What kind of football would we be playing? It wouldn't be the rip-roaring, would it? <laughs> it wouldn't be. Um, would he have got any better results than what Ange's got so far? I doubt it. I doubt it very much so. So <laughs> it's just a case of maybe the safe option isn't always the best option. No, you're right. Now, Facebook user, unfortunately, I don't know who you are because there is a wee signing process via Facebook. So welcome to the show in any case. Remember, Johnny Thompson today, absolutely. 90th, 90th anniversary. Incredible. And obviously you had the um, one of our very own and Lawrence Conley was involved in the, the JT90 uh, event yesterday. Um, there's been a weekend of events and Lawrence and Russell were in Dunfermline yesterday um, at the end where I think they all got together Tommy Boyd was there and various others got together for a wee celebratory drink um, to toast Johnny Thompson who's always kind of been close to my own heart being a fifer myself Colin not living that far from Carden Den and you know if you haven't done it as a Celtic fan I think you, you should definitely go up to to five, go up to Carden Den, and it's not just the grave it's not just the graveside of Johnny Thompson you should visit there's a, a wee kind of museum up at the community centre as well that you should go up to. The Johnny Thompson Committee keep that um, up to scratch. And there's Johnny Thompson Parks that were built um, and named after the great man as well up there as well. So definitely do that. And, uh, you know, Fife has got great uh, Celtic links and um, I'm always proud of them as well. Patrick uh, Fitzpatrick, you're coming in. A pleasant surprise. Thank you very much. We're not always called pleasant, Colin, so <laughs> when, when we are, I'm bringing it up. I'm having that. Uh, you take I, that. You take it. Terence Pat, welcome back. You're on YouTube. Uh, we will be in the title race for sure, answering the question, um, you know, because I think the big thing is, Colin, you could look at the results in isolation. You know, the question you asked there, would Stevie Clark have better results? I think it's a good and absolutely brilliant question because, you know, domestically, 
uh, there's an argument to suggest that you know his style of play, you might have got a draw here or there that we didn't, and we've had two defeats in the league already. Uh, however, I'm still happier with what we've got with Ange. Uh, you Absolutely. know, just like Terence Pat, a faith in Ange and the squad he is building, because it's a, it really is a plan. There is a master plan. You can see it. You can see what he's trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what happens, I think the club will be criticised because we've not done it quick enough, Colin. And it's frustrating for Celtic fans like you, myself, and many of the others who are tuning in. But um, I, I do have confidence that come the the January transfer window where we can dip back into the, the market, I think we'll still be... You know, people talk about being in touch and distance to Rangers, Colin. You know, yeah. for nine years... That was unthinkable, wasn't it? That we're now just talking about, just make sure we're still in touch and distance. What's your thoughts on where we are and where we're going to be in a few months come the next transfer window? I think it's important that we see the new signings integrated quickly um, to see what we've got and then to take it from there as to whether these players should be our first picks or they're ones that's going to take a bit longer to settle in. Um, I saw a comment coming in just there. I don't know if you'll be able to find it, asking how many of the transferred or the kind of near deadline day signings will start. Mm. Now, guys like Liam Scales, we've not seen. Iranovic we saw, but he played at left back at Ibrooks. Cameron Carter-Vickers, Jota, um, and also uh, Yaka. Yaka Mattis is that I, I thought I had this pronunciation down and then I heard Jerry McCulloch saying it and I was like that's not what I was saying I think it's Yaka Mattis his, his pronunciation is these guys as well it's going to be interesting to see how quick they get implemented within the system because for me I can't see your Joss coming straight in and being your centre forward because that pushes Kyogo to the left and we saw Ibrox he was basically he was a man down on that left hand side he didn't offer what he could offer. And then you moved him into the middle and within a couple of minutes, he, he was creating chances and chances that we hadn't made in that day. Then you've got guys like Leila Bada, who I think he took some heavy criticism for his performance at Ibrooks. The game sort of passed him by. Mm. But he's he is going to be one of them players, I think, because he's so young that there's going to be games where he's just going to grab it by the scruff of the neck and other games that it's just going to pass him by but he'll get that over time. As he gets older, as he gets more mature, he will have an influence in a lot more games. So it's be interesting to see how quick we can get guys like James Forrest back in, offering yeah. that competition as well. I, I've got a lot of faith in what Andrew's doing. I think we're ahead of where we should be right now. Hmm. Um, and if when you, you think of the time, the time he's been here, Colin. Exactly. If you offered us this way back when he was appointed, then... I think most people would have taken it. The thing is, though, because we have had that success early on, there is ones that are saying, I want more. And that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. Because we set a standard at Celtic. When you see it, people going, oh, you're complaining because it's the first time you've lost in the League Cup in 30-odd games. It doesn't matter. You've set that standard now. Would you, would you rather we, we resigned ourselves to defeat and thought and it's, it's fine to get beat at Celtic? Because I'd never want that to be the case. No, exactly. Once you've hit that standard, you've got to keep going and pushing that standard time and time again and improve upon it and improve upon it. So I'm happy where we are just now. I understand people that want us to be even further on. For me, I would have loved to get another one or two signings in just to replace the outgoing Edward and Christie because I thought we needed one or two before they left as well. 
Mm-hmm. We'll see where we are come the new year and see what January brings. I'd love us to be in a position where we actually strengthen in January and it's not just a case of like filling in the, the, the kind of patches that we normally do. Like January past. Exactly. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember a January transfer window where we've went, we're bringing these players in now so that when it hits the qualifiers, we're ready and we're You're right. the ground running. You're right. We need to approach the January transfer window differently, Colin, because, you know, there's been others. I mean, I mentioned the one there with John Joe Kenny, for example. There's been others where it's almost as if they're just putting people in place to get you over the line that season. The people you're bringing in in January, you're planning for the European qualifiers. Yeah. Or you should be. You should be. Um, just going back to the point that Ryan brought up, and it's not to um, <laughs> rob, rob this in. I think uh, the point I'd make here is that in view of everything that's been happening recently, and everybody knows what I'm talking about here, I think uh, as, a, as a fan base, through a lot of different reasons, uh, we were fractured. We were fractured. And uh, a lot of that was down to the fact that we couldn't go to the games, Colin. Um, but also, uh, you know, there was there was petty fallouts, etc. And um, I just think that Celtic fans need to to pull together at this moment in time and for the foreseeable. I mean, there's been a lot of arguments, there's been a lot of disagreements, uh, not between Ryan McGinley, by the way, and just because obviously he's a fellow Celtic <laughs> fan who works in podcasting, etc. Um, I just don't think it's a good idea uh, for us to you know trip each other up in terms of the Celtic fan base. And we need to stick together um, under these. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of different photographs being to- uh, posted on Twitter um, in, in relation to targeting Celtic fans. So I'm not going to labour the fact. I just think we all need to pull together and we all need to stick together um, at this moment in time and always. Now, uh, Celtic ladies are on BBC Alba. So for if anybody yep. that wants to it's, watch that, I know that Colin's keeping an eye on it. Yeah, it's currently nil-nil after 11 minutes. Um Aberdeen are just recently promoted into the SWPL as well. So um, Glasgow City 6-0 winners over Motherwell in the opening day. It'll be interested to see how mm. Celtic get on. And I'll back up that point on Ryan because I, I actually met him at some of the games this season already. Um, and he's brilliant. If not, he just bites your ear for 90 minutes trying to tell you where we should have went and done things better. But he's a great guy. Really like Ryan. Good. Good. Yeah, and he's welcome in the studio as well. We are very inclusive here at uh, a Celtic state of mind. David Kelly, why did you start the channel? That's a good. That's a good uh, question, actually. Um, I mean, the, the genesis of a Celtic state of mind was um, I released a few books. That was my first love was literature, and uh, I realised that people are only interested for. This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. What if you could make fresh, delicious meals at home without the stress of planning, prepping, or cleaning up? Introducing Tavala. Tavala is a first-of-its-kind meal service that makes eating well effortless. By combining a countertop smart oven with delivered meals, just scan a QR code to cook dinner. First, choose from a variety of chef-crafted meals delivered weekly to your door. When you're ready to eat, just do one minute of easy prep. Next, scan your meal's QR code with the Tavala Smart Oven while the oven automatically switches between modes and temperatures for the perfect cook. Just sit back and relax. Your food's ready in 25 minutes or less. No shopping, no chopping, no cleanup. 
Simplify mealtime today with Tavala. Go to Tavala.com now to save $150 on a Tavala Smart Oven when you agree to order meals six times. That's T-O-V-A-L-A.com. Promo applied automatically at checkout. Tavala. Eat well effortlessly. Tavala.com. Like about three months, Colin. And they come along after the, the book launch and they want to speak to you for podcasting and stuff like that. And I wasn't a big podcast listener, but I realized that it was a great platform. So what happened was when I was writing my books, I'd maybe interview 50 or 60 ex-Celts or people who were involved in the, the game at that time. Uh, a very, very small, minute amount of that material ended up in the book. And I thought, you know what, it'd be it'd be great if I had a podcast because all these interviews could go out and I know Celtic fans would love it. Uh, I couldn't possibly put everything that was said into a book because it would be about 30 volumes long because every interview was like an hour long. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to set up a Celtic podcast and it means that uh, that engagement can continue. It was a Celtic state of mind, which was a name I'd written down a long, long time ago. It was an idea that I'd had uh, previously that I might have used in the future, and so it started. started off as a kitchen table podcast, and whilst being recorded at a kitchen table, we won podcast of the year in 2018, which was incredible. Decided to start going into the studio and just paying for studio time to make it that wee bit better, Colin. That's when you started getting involved. You were coming along. You were getting involved in some of the, the interviews uh, with a view to uh, getting a bigger platform. So basically built a studio. And uh, the studio is a state of mind. Uh, a Celtic state of mind is the kind of diamond in that studio at the moment. But we are building up other shows, and in particular the music shows. So this weekend, for example, on Friday, we were the the media partners for a festival in Dalkeith. So we completely covered every single part of that festival from the pie stand to backstage. <laughs> um, and we managed to capture all the bands as well. So look forward to Sophie DeRose and uh, the Sherlock's Kyle Faulkner and Las Vegas performances. I know you're a Las Vegas, Vegas fan. Big Las Vegas fan. But the, the big surprise for me, because I love new music and I know he's not a new artist and I'm annoyed that I never knew of him before the gig um, or before speaking to James Allen last week, Johnny Skinner. So definitely watch that performance. What we will do over the next week or so is we will put the videos out on the channel. If you're a music fan as well as a Celtic fan, there's going to be something in there that you like. I mean, Kel Faulkner was tremendous, absolutely superb. Uh, Las Vegas ace. And later on that night, we had Russell Boyce bouncing about the field, speaking to people in the crowd. So you might even see your face there if you were at the gig. Uh, so that's the reason we started the channel, David. Some people say, oh, you know, you're just trying to get money from Celtic fans and all that. No, it's a love of Celtic and it's a love of other subjects. And if we've got a passion for it, then we cover it. But a Celtic state of mind is always going to be the baby, Colin. It's always going to be that baby. Uh, Christopher Patterson, this is a nice wee surprise. Love this podcast. Thanks for your support. Thanks, everybody, for your support. And I'm going to bring this one up as well. Terence Pat makes a, a good a good point or asks a good question. Do you think Neil Lennon is a contender for the Republic of Ireland job if Stephen Kenny gets the sack? Colin, I'll throw that one to you first and then I'll give you my take on it. I'll quickly just provide an update. It is 1-0 to the women. They've just scored. I'm trying to see who's actually put it in the net. Um, but on the, the new Lennon topic, I don't think so. I really do not think so. Um, I looked at that Republic of Ireland squad and they've got a lot of young talent coming through. Uh, the goalkeeper in goal, Gavin Bazanu, saved a fantastic penalty from uh, Cristiano Ronaldo the other night. Uh, was very close to getting the victory over Portugal. 
Good performance by Shane Duffy as well, Colin. Yeah, I think Shane Duffy overall is a good player. He's just there's a, a certain type of player when they come to Scotland, they just don't perform. Uh, I mean, you look at the likes of, and he's an easy target because he wasn't great at all in Scotland. But Joey Barton actually had a fairly decent career in England. He was just shocking when he came up here. I thought he could stroll it and kind of that let him down. I don't know if that was the case with Shane Duffy, or we obviously know what was happening off the park as well. Um, if how much that actually played into it. But a, bit, a, bit like Collie, a bit like Collie Burke. No, Ollie Burke's just not a footballer. I'm just not having that. He, he's he's shocking. I tell <laughs> you, there was a game, Scotland played a game about 18 months ago. And I remember I was driving and I had Radio Scotland on in the car. And I, I didn't know what the score was because I was driving. Obviously, I can't check your phone. That's illegal. Don't do that. That's um, why I do voice, voice notes. Exactly. Uh, so I'm, I'm tuning into BBC Scotland, trying to catch what the score was in the Scotland game. And I didn't hear it until the the ball was about to be kicked off again, because for the whole fifteen minutes the analysis was on how Ollie Burke's not a footballer. He's an athlete, but he's not a footballer. He's not got the basics. He's not got a first touch. He's not got shooting. And yet it just takes me back to that night when uh, Neil Lennon first took over after Brendan Rodgers away at Tynecastle, and mm-hmm. he sprints through and goes and still manages to square it. Probably one of the best things he ever done in a Celtic jersey, or take you back to the Dundee game, last minute of the game. Ball gets put across and he misses an open goal from two yards out. That is the best and worst of Ollie Burke. The thing with Ollie Burke, and I keep saying this, I want somebody to tell me that this is not the case, but he is the most expensive Scottish footballer of all time if you were to combine his entire transfer fees. I think if Kieran Tierney is to move, that will be absolutely blitzed because um, any transfer fee for Kieran Tierney if he was to leave Arsenal would be astronomical calling on top of the £25 million that he's already cost the club so um, we really want that to happen because I don't mind saying Kieran Tierney is the most expensive Scottish footballer of all time you've mentioned some cracking players in Dalgleish and Atchigemo and uh, Ollie Burke has cost a lot more money than any of them but my take on on, on this Stephen Kenny was the Dunfermline manager that's when yeah. I got to know Stephen Kenny. We interviewed him actually for a fundraiser we were doing back in the day when the Pars were in administration. And he's a lovely guy, lovely guy. And he took a lot of time um, to give us what we needed. And the interesting thing that he told me was when he went to Dunfermline, there was two ex-Derry City players that he wanted to bring to Dunfermline. And it was Niall McGinn and Paddy McCourt. And he'd worked with them before and he wanted uh, the two guys who would have ripped it up for the Pars, but it was not to be. He had a terrible time of it the pass, he really did and um, through my, my research interviewing players and all that around about that time it became pretty clear Colin that uh, he never ever won the dressing room to lose it Yeah, you know if you say about a, a manager that loses the dressing room um, it was a wee bit like you know that moment when Chris Commons walks off against Mulder yeah. and you, you think wow I've heard grumblings about, you know, what's happening behind the scenes and the senior players and blah, blah, blah. And there's this kind of uprising and there's cliques and all that. That was Dunfermline around about the time of Stephen Kenny. Uh, there's a couple of funny stories about it as well. I, I think I've shared them before on Axon, but for anybody who's not heard the one about uh, doing the team talks under the trees. Yes, yes that's right. the best one. So you go to Dunfermline and there's a massive, massive area called uh, Petrivi Playing Fields. And if you're a kid playing for any team in, in Fife, at some point you've played at Petrivi, loads and loads of waterlogged pitches. And for a long, long time, they were actually owned by Gavin Masterton, um, but they're not now. But that was where Dunfermline trained. I don't know if they still do, actually. I mean, I only live up 
not far from it. Uh, but I never ever venture down there these days. But on a on a weekend pre-pandemic and hopefully post-pandemic, you could go down there on a Sunday, Colin, and there's over a thousand kids playing football. Mm-hmm. You know, and it always amazed me that there's not that many scouts in there. To be honest with you, it's it's incredible. Um, but Stephen Kenny obviously led the training down there. Um, if you ever used to watch the Soccer AM Challenge, Crossbar Challenge, that's where they did it. It, it was in the Pelton Snow. Mark Butchell, John Potter, all they guys were all playing for the Pars at the time. Anyway, so Stephen Kenny um, did his team talks uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And what he always did with the guys was he would walk them, and I'm talking like three, 400 yards to the corner of the, the pitches to give a team talk. And a lot of the guys are like, you know, why is he doing this? Is it because he doesn't want anybody up the up at the pavilion to hear what we're talking about? So eventually one of the senior pros said, Gaffer, why do we always walk away down here in the sun and in the rain and in whatever for a team talk? And he explained that it was because he thought that if you were under a tree, because of the oxygen levels under trees, you would take in more of what he said. And he was deadly serious. So you can imagine the past players just thought this was a joke and they used to wind them up and blah, blah, blah. There was a bit of a lack of respect there. So I'd heard all that about his time at the Pars. I then spoke to Paddy McCourt, who had played under Stephen Kenny at Derry. And he said that he was the best manager. He was up there that he'd ever worked with Colin. And he spoke so, so highly of him. He wouldn't have a bad word to say about him. Mm-hmm. And he says to me, you know, he will be Republic Island's manager at some point, which obviously came to fruition. So when he was announced, I had the two sides of the story. I had the Pars guys who thought he was a bit of a joke. And then I had Paddy McCourt, saying he was one of the best managers and coaches out there. Uh, so I never knew in my own mind. I just didn't know if he was going to be a success. It's a results-driven business. I know it's a cliche, but it is true. And he's not getting the results. No, so it's going to happen. Not. You know, the axe will fall. Is Neil Lennon the man to take over? I think Neil Lennon, you know, there was a time, talking, going back to the comment from Ryan and what we're saying is we all need to stick together as Celtic fans. And we had a lot of choice words to say about Neil Lennon over a period of time. And I would like to say it was never, ever personal because, you know, Neil Lennon was one of my Celtic heroes as a player. Um, And obviously he had a few choice words to say back to us, uh, which we'll never, ever make public, Colin, but it happened. And But taking the personal element out of it, he will get a job of that ilk. I really, truly believe that he will. Um, And I know that people are angry at what he's been doing and saying. I think he will get a job of that ilk. I really do. Sorry, it's just uh, an own goal in the game. What, my comment or the game? No, the game. It's a 1-0 between Aberdeen and Celtic. Uh, Captain Chloe Craig's just scored an own goal. Uh, Fantastic header, mind you, just in the wrong net. Uh, Look, if Republic Ireland are going to bring someone like Stephen Kenny into it, then that's the kind of level that they're looking at. So... If we're saying that Neil Lennon's a candidate, we're saying Neil Lennon's up there with, with Stephen Kenny, and that's how good he is. If that's the way that Republic Ireland want to go, fair enough. Is he should he be good enough? No, but Stephen Kenny isn't good enough either, in my opinion. So for that, I'd take it that that's just the way they want to go. Sometimes we've spoken about Scottish uh, national teams. Sometimes people get a job, Colin. It's not because of their ability. And again, nothing to do with the fact he was a Rangers manager. McLeish should never have got that job second time round. Second time round, no. Never, never in a hundred years should he have got that job. So stranger things have happened. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, And by the way, if he does, we wish him all the best. We we move on, Colin. You know, we've got bigger fights to fight uh, than a spat with an ex-manager. Um, this is a wee bit of a, a personal one Studio O'Reilly thanks for asking when is my new book coming out well 
honestly. I'm a big Stone Roses fan, and this is longer awaited than the second coming, I'll tell you. I've been working on this for six years. Um, I spoke to the publishers. There was decisions during lockdown and during Celtic's capitulation. We had planned, we had planned um, to release it around about the 10 in a row time, Colin. So there you go. Mm. Um, and obviously that was Kai Boshed. So we're going to release it next year and it's going to come out in the summertime. And it is the finest bit of work I've ever, ever done. I'm not just saying that. It's not like when somebody's trying to push a new album that's a bit rubbish and they say, oh, it's the best, my best work. You know, Oasis' <laughs> sixth album, it's my best work. No, it's not. Um, it is, and it's simply because of the amount of time that I've put into it. But not only that, the amount of time other people have given me, Colin, um, because this book wouldn't happen if the collectors of Celtic jerseys didn't allow me into their collections and to, and to actually photograph their collections. So there's half a dozen collectors out there who allowed me access to their collection. Celtic themselves have a very small collection, unfortunately, uh, for various reasons. It wasn't a case of just going to the club, getting all the jerseys and photographing them. So I had to travel all over the place and get all the different collectors. The biggest collection I've seen is Neely Mockin Jr., who inherited it from his dad. Mm-hmm. The, the jerseys that are in this book will blow you away. The jerseys that are not in this book would blow you away, but we'll share everything. I've got over 2,000 pictures of football jerseys. So yeah. I think I've earned the right to be called an anorak um, (laughs) after all that. Kevin Graham comes in. All right, Kev, how are you doing, sir? Um, Kevin's obviously been pretty unwell with the whole COVID thing recently. No matter how well Ralston has played, do the PJ. I don't know if I'm the second (laughs) coming of Paul John. I'm the PJ. And Colin, now see Juranovic as a first choice right back. I think that's an excellent question, Colin. I'm going to throw it at you. That's that's fair. I have to say, I've got to go back on my words um, on Ralston. He's definitely been someone who has put in performances a lot higher than I could ever have expected them to put in in a Celtic jersey. Um, and his run of form at the minute has been fantastic. In that case, for me, you're signing a guy at £3.5 million pounds, um, who should be your first choice right back. But you've also got to go on players' form as well. It doesn't matter how much you, you spend on them. If someone is playing out of their skin, you keep giving them the ball or you keep giving them the jersey until there comes that point where they need to come off. That It's just not happening for them. So I think when you go into the game against Ross County, I could probably see um, Anthony Ralston playing. And I think Juranovic will have to earn his way into the jersey. Um, and I don't think, as some of the comments have said, that will see Juranovic at left back because I think that was just a patchwork job to go to Ibrox to be perfectly honest mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it is 2-1 to the, the ladies as well uh, Chloe Craig scoring from a corner so back in front into the right net exactly no it's a, it's a really good question because like you say even though we had our own uh, debate about it Colin uh, no one expected, I don't think, the performances of Tony Ralston. And I think he's been a huge success in the early part of this season. He is the first choice right back at this moment in time. For but now. I don't, for now. Yeah. I, I just don't think you buy a player like Juranovic as a backup. So no. it's a brilliant, I'll tell you what, it's a great situation to be in where you've got someone who has who has been bought as a first choice. He's been bought as a first team mm-hmm. player, but someone is playing so well that he can't get a game. Even when he does break in, and inevitably he will, 
be that through suspension, a wee dip in form or an injury, he will be playing it right back for Celtic. It's then his jersey to lose. And that's brilliant. And like you've said in the past, you want three players in every position to be fighting for the jersey. Yep, We've finally got a couple of right backs. We've gone from, from zero to having two you know, fight for that jersey. So, brilliant. The point you made earlier in the season, we done a, a pre-season kind of transfer. Let's have a look at, ahead to next season's squad. Uh, and, and some of that discussion was around, you know, when we were talking about left-backs, we mentioned Leo Held, for example, because mm-hmm. he had first-team experience. When we were talking about right-backs, we spoke about Leo Connor because he was coming back from his, his loan spell at Tranmere. Although we've got two... It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Right back's vying for that position. And we've got two centre-halves who can play right back in Stephen Welsh and Uruguide. Were you surprised that O'Connor was put back out on loan? I was, to be perfectly honest. Um, and again, he's going to the same team he was at last year. He's not really made a step up in terms of the team that he's playing for. Um, Anthony Ralston could have been one that, if he left this summer, where would he have ended up on the form that he was on? I'm not sure where he would have signed. He's came into the team, he's played well, um, and then you see um, things like calling him the next Cafu and stuff like that. I th- obviously Celtic fans just kind of mocking that to an extent but he, he is, he's playing extremely well and if you said what teams would be interested in him now, it would be a much higher standard than what it would have been if he left the club on a free transfer in the summer mm-hmm. so in the Leo Connor sense, who was interested in him after he had the loan spell at Tranmere? Not very many pl- not very many teams but the looks of things so if he's going to keep doing that again at Tranmere how is he going to be ready to make that step up? So the loan deal for me didn't make any sense. 
we're one injury or one COVID outbreak away from being very, very short in terms of squad sense. Yeah. To the point where our charity vet might come through and Luke O'Connell might throw on the Celtic jersey this summer, or not this summer, this season. Just remind us what that charity bet is, Colin. So Luke O'Connell has to play one competitive game for Celtic this season. By the way, I'll take... pounds to the charity of our choices. I take no delight in the fact that he's out of the picture. I really don't. I, I want to see youth flourish um, at Celtic and just generally. So, yeah, listen, I'll be happy to lose that bet. Talking of charity, though, uh, we are up for a charity, a charitable award. Um, and when when you start the podcast, you just want to make it as good as possible. And that's the template that anybody that comes into the Axon team will know, Colin. It's all about creating something that's as good as possible, as professional as we can possibly make it. Hence the reason we uh, invested in our own studio and equipment and all that kind of stuff. And that's why we try to make it as good as possible. When uh, you're nominated for an award, it really is a bonus, isn't it, where you think to yourself, mm. wow, they are an independent body and they reckon what we're doing is pretty good. So next month, some of us will be going down to London. Uh, we'll be nominated for three awards. One of the ones that would be a real feather in the cap for me would be the charitable award, best charitable campaign. And I'm going to go back to what we said earlier is because as a community, the Celtic fan base and the Celtic media, alternative media um, community came together to raise an incredible amount of money for charity. 27 grand almost. Um, it was 27 grand, but after fees with the various sites that you set it up on, it was just yeah. under 27. And we gave it to four charities uh, at Christmas time. So we're up for an award for that. But if we do win it, we will be accepting it on behalf, not only of Axon, but of everybody else who contributed and to every single fan, Celtic or Otherwise, who gave us any kind of money? Uh, you know, we got uh, donations from one pound to a thousand pounds. Colin, it was an incredible weekend. So yeah, we're into the charity. We're into doing that where we can, and there will be a big event coming up near the end of this year as well, where we'll be having another Axon weekender. But it will be with a difference. So we'll tell you all about that. If you want to vote for us, by the way, uh, check out the social pages, social media pages, and tonight I'll pin how to vote for us on uh, the Facebook and on the Twitter. So you can do it that way as well. Um, Gaff, take another wee personal one. Paul, you're hosting the Martin O'Neill event in October. I've got tickets and can't wait. What I was doing uh, leading up to the uh, building of the studio and all that, Colin, and this is actually one of the reasons you and I are mates, is uh, I was doing a lot of live events, uh, not for me, not for Axom, but for various promoters and... um, it was great because you got to know people like Chris Sutton, John Hartson. And one of the people, if someone was to say to me, give me three figures from Celtic's history who you would like to interview who are still with us, one of them would be Martin O'Neill. Mm. I'd love I'd love a sit-down chat just on a personal level with Martin O'Neill. And I was given the opportunity a couple of years ago now, I think it was, um, to do just that and to have an audience with Martin O'Neill. But a decision has been made over the last wee while uh, due to a number of different reasons um, that I will not be doing any further live events um, moving forward. So the book that I was asked about earlier on will be my final Celtic book. And in terms of uh, live events, I will not be doing any live events unless there are Celtic State of Mind live events uh, that we are going to set up ourselves and they will not be 
all that frequent. We might do one or two a year. So unfortunately, I will not be hosting that event, Gav, but I hope you have a great time. And I, at some point in the future, would love to speak to Martin O'Neill. He would be one one hell of a an interviewee. Oh, I have to bring this one up because I feel as though this man's about to explode if we don't answer this question. Feed the bear. Why? Where can I buy the Celtic Axon top? We reply, please. Going to buy them today. It's about the 50th time he's asked that today. Sorry, Feed the Bear. Sorry, mate. Um, the way this system works, if I go too far down, I can't get back to the earlier messages, so I hadn't seen that. The last one I can see from you, which was a wee while ago, was that one. So um, all you need to do, actually, if you want to buy our merchandise, because what we're trying to do here, Colin, is provide content every single day, multiple times a day, uh, but keep it free. So you keep the content free, and there's a few ways you can do that, and one of them is by having a line of merchandise, quality merchandise. Now, I've got the Celtic jersey and I'm not having a dig at any manufacturer and I've got the jerseys that we've done and quite frankly in terms of the quality because a lot of these mass produced jerseys from Nike, New Balance, Adidas etc sometimes the quality is not great these jerseys are really really good quality and everybody that's got them um, has said that so although the, the price is a wee bit steep the profit margin's no massive because it's cost us quite a few quid to get them in. We're not making a massive profit on it. Um, and if we can get a better deal, hopefully we can bring down the price of the jerseys as well. But there are still jerseys available. A new batch is arriving tomorrow. It was delayed by a few days. Uh, all you do is get onto axom.net and there's a shop in there and that's where we'll be selling all the all the merch. So get yourself in there. Whenever I'm sending anything out, have a wee look around the studio and if I can chuck anything else in, I always do that as well. So you might get a couple of freebies. Um, another point from Patrick Fitzpatrick. I think Celtic will be in a title race this year. Celtic certainly have much more depth to the squad. If we can keep in touch with Rangers, then hopefully come January transfer window, we will push past. Is that under the circumstances, Colin, what Celtic are looking at? Let's do enough because obviously... We didn't expect to be in a position where we were managerless. You know, when mm. we finally got that final knockback from Eddie Howe, at that point, we expected various things to be in place as a club. So do you think they thought to themselves, you know what, we probably could have brought in another couple of players, but we've got enough in to see us to January. And at that point, we can go and get a second wind because obviously the finances are there to dip back into the transfer market. And again, I'm going to go back to the nine in a row dominance I still, I'm not, com- I'm not comfortable saying as long as we're in touching distance of mm. Rangers, but that's where we are then, isn't it? I, I kind of slightly disagree with Patrick there. Uh, Patrick there. Um, I don't think the squad depth is there for Celtic just now. I still think there's some positions where we're extremely light in. Um, I would say on the left wing, you're looking at Yota coming in. Um, then Montgomery probably is your second choice option out there because. You just know now you can't move Kyogo away from the middle of the field. I think he's been a revelation through the middle and then when he goes out to the left, he's just nowhere near as effective. So if Yota doesn't hit the ground, then you're relying on Montgomery to step up until maybe Mikey Johnson comes in and then that's another player who hasn't hit the heights of the um, the kind of talent that we have been promised that he is coming through the academy. So there is certain positions that I still think I would have loved to have seen his add one or two more, especially in midfield as well with the likes of James McCarthy. We're still to see what we can get out of him. Um, Obviously, he's got Mm. the experience, but he's always had those sort of fitness concerns. I know he played, I think it was someone said he's played over 20 games last year, but it wasn't full games and totally played just under a thousand minutes. So 
there's not a lot of football played there. We're looking at guys like Callum McGregor who will run 70 games into the ground, absolutely no problem, but eventually that's going to catch up with him. Sorrow, I don't think, has really hit the heights of when he first came into the team as well. Uh, Turnbull, again, can have great games and then the next game he can be anonymous, but he's young, he's growing. Rogic, fitness concerns there as well. I'd like to have seen his add at least another one in midfield, maybe one out in the left. If we're still in the position of being, as you said, not the position you want to be in, but being close behind in January, I do think that's the areas of the part that we're going to need to go and strengthen. No, you're right. You know, we've spoken about uh, the dark horse of the transfer window. A lot of people are going to the Liam Scales signing. I think the dark horse might be James McCarthy. I think he's going to end up as a pivotal player in the Celtic side. Um, I get what people are saying, actually, in relation to Neil Lennon, because, I mean, we cover Neil Lennon every day for a long, long time. Um, and I don't want to get dragged back into the whole kind of Lenny spat. Yeah, yeah, it's old news. And we will move on. And I think we have moved on. You know, I think we'd, we have. But someone begged the question, where is he? I, I think, I, may, I I might have said it wrong. My, my wording might have been incorrect, Colin. I think he will get a job in international football. I really do. And people might gasp at that. But remember, there's, there's lots of levels of international football. And there... There is um, a belief in Neil Lennon that, you know, on paper, that was just a blip. That one season was just a blip. So we're looking at, at it in every single, um, you know, detail that we possibly can. And a lot of people think he's not a good coach. He's not a good manager. He's out of touch, etc. But if he goes for a job interview and that's one blip and we've already heard the narrative, it's COVID, etc., you know, I know that people will buy into it. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're not going to labour that. Um, and unless he comes out and attacks Celtic again or the players that are still at the club, then we will not really mention them all that often. Um, how do you think we're going to do in the Europa? Asks Daniel Leach. And talking about Celtic jerseys, that particular away jersey was one of my favourites. Mm. Love that jersey. Absolute belter. Um, how do you think we're going to do in Europe? Got a funny story about that jersey, actually. Um, my pal actually bought one last year off one of these retro football sites. So a real one um, from my way back then, uh, sitting in a pub in Edinburgh drunk before going into the Celtic Hibs game. Spent £150 on it, only for two weeks later for Celtic to come out with their own replica retro version of it that's only about £30. You so, know, uh, a bit of a sting to the wallet for him for that one. It certainly is, and... Uh... Every time I look at a jersey, and I used to, th- I thought about this when I was pulling the book together. What what player does that jersey remind you of, Colin? That's before my time, because that's the ninety three ninety four season. That was the, the season before I was born. Time. Oh, stop it! Right, <laughs> Andy Payton for me, Andy Payton. Um, John, welcome to the show, John. John Mulhern, you're watching on YouTube. Uh, keep Lenny away from Ireland. We don't need him. Get Roy Keenan. What did you think of the Roy Keenan interview with Gary Neville? I've got to admit, I've not seen it all yet. I've seen the clips of it. Um, and I, I think this is another one where so many people just look at um, the words that's been said and take everything as if it's been so serious. I remember he, he said, there was a clip that I seen that he said, oh yeah, we used to tan about 100 bottles of beer a night. And then the next minute it's in the front page of the newspaper. Keen drinks 11 beers an hour and who's horror when he's playing for Ireland. I know, I know. It's, it's completely like taken out of so context. Serious. Yeah, But you know what, the big thing with that is, right, you remember back in the day when newspapers were a, a proper source 
of information. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're growing up and the paper, if it was in the paper, you know, it's gospel. If it was on the BBC, it must be true. And we're a lot wiser. And, you know, I'm a, you know, I don't think that I'm more intelligent than anybody, but I love reading. And I would always implore anyone out there to to read Chomsky when it comes to to media and how to understand how it's always been this way. Uh, but I just think people are getting more and more wise to the way that the media works. And by the way, we're part of, um, you know, the media, uh, obviously alternative media. Uh, but the way that it works, how many headlines in the past have we read and believed? that were absolute nonsense, you know, throwaway remarks like what Roy Keane said to Gary Neville, yeah. who's his mate, who he's talking quite openly with Colin, who he's been on nights out with, and there's probably stuff that's happened on these nights out that they'll never speak of again. And he just, it's a throwaway remark, next thing you know, front page of the newspaper. Uh, absolute nonsense. But people don't fall for it now, do they? No. Well, do they? That's the question. I just do don't think they control the narrative the way they used to. No, I don't think they do, and it's a, a sort of moving of the times thing. You see it, people move from doing one thing that they previously used to do, and there's always people that sort of have that attachment to the way things used to be, and then there's others that move with the times. I think you always find out news breaking on social media before you see it on um, a, a website or um, I mean, the best. Yeah, I mean, that, the, the the news broke on Lee Griffiths' page before it broke on Dundee or Celtic's page that he was yeah, going to Dundee. Yeah, less said about that, the better. Um, but like things like you still get some of the mainstream media caught out. My favourite one was when uh, Sky Sports News were reporting that your dad sells Avon was about to sign for Aberdeen. That was absolutely superb. But I think a lot of the kind of journalism I see nowadays is just stories that are on fans forums or that are on Twitter that then become a headline in the newspaper the next day. It's not as if there's been a lot of research done into it. It's link, stories linking X with X and the source of somebody that said it on Twitter. So. The big thing for me is um, I'm always careful never to just you know make a sweeping generalisation about the media because I've met so many great people who work as yeah. journalists and they're fantastic or broadcasters um, and they're fantastic... Uh, writers, first and foremost, reporters, investigators, um, and people as well. There's loads of them. I've named them on here. I mean, our very own Tony Haggart. He's been in the mm-hmm. game for 20-odd years. Um, and he's, he is a, a right, um, proper Celtic supporter, first and foremost. But he's he's a very, very good journalist. And there's loads of good journalists out there. But obviously the other ones uh, that we're talking about drag drag them down. John Miller, I think we're talking about the fact that I made a comment earlier about the talent always being there. And John has played with guys who never made it as footballers, who are 10 times the players as the guys he played with who did make it. That's the problem, the recipe. It's incredible. Just about anybody who played football at any level, um, you, you can ask them, who's the best player you played with who didn't make it? Tell us a story. And these sometimes are the stories that are more interesting. I mean, the guy... Um, who did really make it that that played with us was John Potter, John Paul Potter. Um, and he played centre-half and I played left-back. And he was always going to make it. He just knew he had the stature to make it. But there were more skillful players in that team mm. who didn't. You know, and it's always, it's always the way. Another funny one was played for uh, the school with Alex Finlayson, who went on to play with Swindon and sat on the bench for Barry Town against uh, Dynamo Kiev. Uh, whose front line was Rebrov and Shevchenko and they, they beat Barry Town 9-0 uh, Alex was a good player as well 
uh, bit of a Haddington uh, cult icon as well. But uh, I, I get I get the point that John's making. A lot of the better players don't seem to to break through or fulfil their potential, Colin. Well, we're speaking about Europe as well. I do think that we kind of glossed over the the question that came in earlier, asking how we think we'll get on in the Europa League. So we should touch on that after this. Yeah, um, touch but, on it right now if you want. I, I, I was going to say first that there wasn't many that came through um, from Greenock that went on to make it as uh, professional footballers. Most of them, if they were at a kind of pro youth team, would then maybe sign for Morton. Uh, and quite a few of them have made uh, first team appearances for Morton, um, but there's there's not many that kind of make that breakthrough into the the first teams of of many others. Even in recent years, I'm thinking of guys like Mark Miller from Port Glasgow who played for Falkirk. Yeah. Um, the boy I went to school with was Stevie Fulton's nephew, Aiden. He came through um, and ended up playing for Morton. David McNeil played for Morton. There wasn't very many that kind of go on to do that, and it's a it's a shame. There is a, a real hotbed of football and talent in Inverclyde, but as you said, there's not really that many scouts. And probably the biggest success so far currently is one that Scottish footballs just mentioned there, and it's Nicky Lowe playing for Arbroath. He went over and played um, across the water at Derry City as well. I think he played in the Europa League. There, there's not many, um, which is a real shame because when it gets yeah. to a certain age group, I think a lot of kids just sort of chuck it because there isn't that avenue for them to go and play. Um, and yet, if you drove, drove past any football park in Inverclyde, any night through the week, it's packed with guys playing seven-a-sides, but they never get the chance to kind of make that step up. See, the big thing for me, coming from the villages in Fife, there was always some real, real talent. And then often what happened is, I mean, the, the, the names obviously that will be familiar to our um, viewers, George Cornley, for example, from High Valleyfield, um, Tommy Wright, uh, who played for Middlesbrough in the 1990s. He came from Oakley. Kenny Ward played with Dunfermline, St. Johnston, Hamilton and others. Um, he'll, he lives in Valleyfield, but he always reminds he's a Blair Hall boy. Um, but there's loads of guys of that ilk. And then you come to my generation, which is maybe a couple of generations later, and less of them make it as footballers. And then, you know, that seems to, there's a knock on there. Um, but when I look at the way that Dunfermline uh, were being run when I was doing the fundraising back in 2012, when they were in administration, um, you got an insight, Colin, and you, you basically thought to yourself, you know, you've got four senior clubs in, in Fife um, and there needs to be an alliance of sorts. And I don't mean um, one of the teams appointing somebody for one of the other teams. I mean an alliance in terms of a business strategy um, because you had the Petrivi playing parks down there, which, you know, I think it's called Fife Elite Academy or whatever. Yeah. There's a place for every footballer the place might be amateur football, pub football, junior football, or it might be, you know what, you're good enough for Cowdenbeath, East Fife, Wraith Rovers, Dunfermline. That was always the way I've kind of viewed their their pecking order. Uh, I know East Fife were big in the 50s, but that's how I always viewed their pecking order. Um, and it doesn't seem to be there. So you could have a team of scouts, but they're not working exclusively for Dunfermline. You know, they're working for this alliance of five teams and they say, well, there's mm-hmm. Colin Watt. He's not quite at the level to go to Dunfermline, but you know what, we'll get him into East Fife. Um, and, it, and it benefits the clubs because they're not investing individually in a scouting network. There's one scouting network. But, you know, they just, they're kind of backward a lot, a lot of these clubs in their thinking. Um, so it is interesting to to know that that's never 
progressed in the last 10 years or nine years since the suggestion was made to them. Uh, Daniel Rowe, greetings from the USA, fellow Celts. I love getting a shout out from our uh, viewers from all over the world. It's quite humbling, actually. We've got a lot of uh, Australians and Americans and Japanese fans tuning in, Colin. <laughs> it's incredible when you see the reach. I remember when we were just doing the audio podcast and used to pull up the numbers. It's like, oh, it's number one in Mauritius or it's number seven. Vietnam. <laughs> we were massive in Vietnam um, things like that it's just incredible when you see the reach of Celtic as a, a global club it's fantastic um, and I do have to apologise to both Greg Taylor and Liam uh, Lewis Morgan who are both strong Inverclyde uh, members and read about my age group and I totally forgot all about them yeah and Lewis Morgan's doing well over at Inter Miami yes. he was the most valuable player last year wasn't he this is a this is a, a an interesting talking point as well. When you think of someone like Lewis Morgan, Lewis Morgan was someone who made that jump from playing for St Mirren to sign for Celtic, and we always said that that jump was massive. Was it the kind of taking that step up a league? I th- his performances weren't groundbreaking at Celtic. Um, I do remember was it Wren we played in the Europa mm-hmm. League when he scored that night and I thought he had a fairly decent game but then you had things like the the League Cup final when he plays up front on his own and he was absolutely anonymous Um, and then obviously Edward comes on and changes the game round then he makes that move across the the water to the MLS and you look at the guys that he's playing around and the sort of the reviews and the write-ups that he's getting it's incredible to think how it's just the right team if you find the right team the right league you can go from being someone who's just another name in a squad to being one of the first picks. We've it's seen it so often, haven't we? Timo Puke was another one, wasn't it? Yeah, it is unbelievable that uh, players can do that. And now someone who has came from Inverclyde is now lining up alongside Gonzalo Higuain. He's lining up inside, alongside uh, Blaise Mantuidi. It's unbelievable. See, one of the big um, talking points I feel will be, I mean, you mentioned Juranovic earlier on, Colin. Uh, we do have, we certainly do have cover at left back. Um, and I'm not saying that was the wrong move to play Juranovic out there because I thought he played pretty well, to be fair. Um, but Liam Scales keeps coming back into the discussion. And I go back to my original point that I made about Liam Scales when it was quite clear we were going to sign him. It took a long time to get that deal over the line, but you know, I did bracket him in there um, and say that he was going to be the type of player like the two younger players that we brought in, uh, Liam Shaw and, and Osazi Uragidi from Sheffield Wednesday. I felt that he was going to be in that bracket, Colin. Not first-team player as such, but part of the wider squad and, you know, hopefully he'll break in and get some games. But I've got to take what, what people are saying on the comments time and time again because almost universally, anyone who's seen... Uh, scales at close quarters, Colin, is coming into this podcast and saying, actually, you're wrong. He is going to be vying for the left-back spot. Mm-hmm. And Glasgow Rebel comes in to say that. Liam Scales will take Taylor's spot. Um, and, you know, Johnny Ryan comes in to make a point about Montgomery as well. I did expect Montgomery to start against Rangers. I thought that he had shown in dispatches and his cameo appearances enough, Colin, not just with his the, the way that he worked the ball, but he's, he does have a kind of physical presence about him that I didn't expect because he doesn't look as though he's a physical yeah. type of player but he doesn't shirk out at anything does he? No I think for me though the reason that Juranovic played in that position was because of the kind of team that we were playing that day 
when you look at the left hand side, you'd Keogh go out in the left and then you'd the three and I think was it Christie that was playing towards the left hand side of the midfield three. Mm-hmm. So they're they're both quite attacking attack minded players. Um and I think Juranovic just offered that extra bit of defensive nuance that meant that he could be the, the better option in there. Um if you play Montgomery for me, I, I know he's been slotted into that left-back position, but he looks so far more comfortable when he's going forward. I thought in the performance away at Alkmaar, when he was getting forward, he looked so much more comfortable than when he does yeah. at the back. But he does have that kind of basics about him, that he knows when to clear it, when to put the tackle in, when to put it out. We're obviously transitioning him from a forward back into a defence player, and very rarely does that work. I mean, you take a look at who was the, the youngster that was coming through not that long ago. He was rated one of the best young players in, uh, by UEFA. Calvin Miller. Calvin Miller. Yeah. Now, he moved on, and I think he's playing non-league football in England just now. But they've got him back playing up front. So they yeah. saw that the left-back experiment didn't work. Scales is slightly different in that role because he's a centre-half that's transitioned to a left-back but it's not too far away from his natural position. And the fact that you're looking at um, playing this inverted fullbacks going forward this season, that means that your left-back is going to be in towards the, the middle of the field. And if he's comfortable in that position as much as being comfortable being on the left-hand side, then surely that's a winner for the position that he wants to play, that Ange wants his left-backs to be playing in. Now, I'm not been following this conversation, but Kevin Graham, maybe just randomly, just said Ross Wallace. So I, I don't know if he wants... The, does he want us to talk the, about Ross Wallace? I think that's the forwards that move back into the defence. Oh, no. Kevin, Kevin's to... still got the cabin fever because his previous message, he's just, he's just quoting lyrics from the Chemical Brothers. You are right, Kev? You are right, mate? Uh, Ross Wallace did, didn't he? He was a, a right winger that moved back into right back. But then I think he moved further forward again once he left Celtic. Not a See lot the big of thing with Celtic, though, Colin. Yeah, I mean, uh, these players can't be too precious about things like that. If you want a game, you know, you're going to have to adapt. And as far back as Jock Steen, when you look at the Quality Street kids, and, and even the Lisbon Lions, you look at the change of positions. Um, there's a brilliant quote, and forgive me, I can't remember who wrote it. It was one of the reporters back in the day said that Jock Steen halved the number on Bobby, Lennox, uh, Bobby Murdoch's shorts and doubled um, his ability. So he went from a number eight to a number four, because back then you were a number four in the midfield. But um, So there we go. Uh, I think we should bring up one final point, Colin. I don't know if there's anything on there you want to bring in. Crazily enough, we've been talking for over an hour on, on Celtic. But uh, I'll let you pick up the last point, Colin. Have a wee scroll through the comments section. Uh, the Celtic diaspora is global, 100% it is. And um, we've had a lot of support from people all over the world since we started the Celtic State of Mind. Just want to remind everybody that, uh, you know, we are up for a, you know, a treble of awards. And uh, the big thing for me, with the awards is that we'll be accepting them on behalf of the whole Axom community if we have to go down to London and pick one of them up. Um, is Ryan McGinley involved in the Talk Scottish Football pod? Yeah, he is. Yeah, both They're up for an award. Ryan, yep. Ryan Fitzsimmons, David Book, they are up for that award as well and they have done a, a fantastic bit of work too. So it's good to see a lot of these up-and-coming podcasts that are being recognised and a good Scottish representation going down there. Now, Kevin... 
loving the Sunday vibe. So, Mammy, I just hope you don't have that cabin fever because you've been quoting Chemical Brothers. I'm just picturing them in there, full blast listening to the Chemical Brothers, um, which I didn't think was his bag, to be honest with you. So, Colin, come on, bring something up. Yeah, Let's just, go. Uh, I'll let you finish plugging this. I, I did see a point that I'm just about to, to bring up, um, and it comes from Jungle Lion. Celtic need an enforcer in the midfield pushed off the ball too easily. Now, for me, in terms of Celtic, that was one of the positions I'd have liked to have seen them strengthen before the window closed. Um, have, if I was given the choice of bringing two in, it was a centre-back and a centre-mid, and I was good to, it was good to see we brought in Cameron Carter-Vickers. Um, we, we needed at least four centre-halves going into this season. If you go in with three, you're one injury away from being playing near beat on at centre-half, and that doesn't go well. It doesn't go well at all. We've, we've found that out to our, our own problems. But in the midfield, you're looking at having lost Scott Brown, who probably was that enforcer type. Looking at the players we've got there just now, Roderick, Turnbull, McGregor, we're bringing in James McCarthy. Do you see any of those as being the enforcer, or do you think that's something we do need to strengthen in January? Um, I, You know, my biggest... Disappointment in that in that field in that area, Colin, has been uh, sorrow because I did feel initially that he could be the guy that pushed it about a bit. Unfortunately, he's just too reckless. Um, is that a position that we need to maybe dip into the market for? I think it probably is, um, and it's maybe not the right player. But I've I've always I've always liked Lewis Ferguson of Aberdeen. I, I know you're not a big fan, um, but I think I, I do think he could have come in. And, and given a wee bit of that, and he's not just a, a steely player. I think there's a lot more to his game than that. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's some somewhere that we've lacked. Uh, people make the comparison of the types of teams that Martin O'Neill built and the fact that they certainly wouldn't be bullied. Are we being bullied in the midfield? There's another question. You know, we do have a lot of good, good ballers um, who are very, very technically uh, gifted footballers, Colin. But you do come up against certain opposition where you need a wee bit of steel in the midfield, as old-fashioned as it sounds. And I do think we're lacking a wee bit in that in that area. David Bradley um, thinks that David Turnbull could be that kind of player. Um, I don't know so much about the sort of dig that Scott Brown had for David Turnbull to bring that in, but certainly going forward, he creates a lot. And I'm a big fan of David Turnbull. I think he'll go far. But I was kind of... And I think it's a, a real surprise to see two of the best kind of players in that sort of holding deep position um, in Campbell and McCann leaving Scottish football for a grand total of a million pounds for the two of them. Yeah, I know. And, and they're two players that we spoke about time and time and time again on here, Colin. And it might come back to haunt us. You know what I mean? Because we've seen players crossing the border in the past for fees that aren't massive, you know, because we're, we're buying players from all over the place for two or three million quid. And you think to yourself, these guys know the game. There's going to be mm. uh, a period of time for players coming in from other countries. You don't get that way with domestic-based players. Would they have benefited their squad 100%? Would they have been in the first team? Maybe not um, initially, but, they, you know, they certainly would have been pushing for a first-team jersey um, and they could have grown into that into that role as well, Colin. Is there anything else you want to bring in? No, no. No, I think we've uh, we've kept people entertained for... Well, I hope they've been entertained for nearly 70 minutes on a, a Sunday where there wasn't a lot going on. Maybe you enjoyed the Formula One like myself earlier on or maybe you're enjoying the, the women's team. They're just about to come out and enjoy the second half. But 
it's good just to end this international break to bring Celtic into it somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Just one last point that's coming in for Kev. I'm sound mate, isolation station zebra. <sighs> ah, we'll he can keep telling that. himself that, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking that way. By the way, it's an hour and eight minutes talking about Celtic and Colin, I'm, I'm pretty sure we could we could continue to do that. Um, there's a few people came on over the last few weeks because other people have got hosting duties saying that we're not using the comments section enough. Uh, so every so often... We'll do something like this, impromptu. We'll just do it. Um, we'll, we'll go out live on the broadcast and we will base it around what people want to talk about. So not quite a phone-in because that can be quite risky, Colin, the phone-in. Um, McGrory is going to listen to it peeling the totties. Uh, well, I hope you enjoy it, McGrory. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll be back at 12.30 for the regular Axon Bulletin. I've got to thank my good friend Colin Watt for joining me today on A Celtic State of Mind. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Social Podcast Network. Sports 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 Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.